Welcome back, everyone. I am Cass Piancy, and I am here, as usual, with my partner in crime, Bennett Tomlin. How are you? Today, in specific, I'm doing great. Yes, it has been a fun day. We are recording on October 7th. It's a Thursday, and there's a lot going on today. Big article from Bloomberg, Bloomberg Magazine, going hard. We got a giant article from Ben McKenzie and Jacob Silverman in Slate. Man, yeah, a lot going on today. But we aren't here to talk about crypto for, what, maybe the fourth time ever. We're here to talk about the Pandora Papers, which came out this past weekend and have been amazing. Um, and we only have some minimal details so far. So, Bennett, why don't you go ahead and just say what the Pandora Papers are? The Pandora Papers, like the Offshore Leaks, the Paradise Papers, and the Panama Papers before them, are a collection of documents f leaked to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists detailing the activities of various offshore service providers, which are often these law firms that set up shell corporations for individuals interested in hiding assets, evading taxes, or otherwise trying to disguise their financial movements. To give some clarity here as to how much we're talking about in terms of not just money, but data, which is the more valuable asset here. There's almost 12 million documents. There's terabytes of data. 600 journalists were involved covering 117 different countries. The amount of money that this could affect is somewhere between $5 trillion and $32 trillion. And we're now being exposed to the fact, the idea that the U.S. is the new hub for offshore incorporation and banking. Let's delve into some of the summary details that we've heard thus far. Bennett, what, what are the main points that have been harped on thus far? A lot of it is kind of what we expected. The rich and powerful are incredibly corrupt people who use a variety of techniques, firms, and these various offshore tax havens to try to hide their corruption. So far in the Pandora Papers, we've seen things that link back to the Vatican, to the Prime Minister of Pakistan. I actually have a list. Here, here's some people. I'll just run through it really quick. Important people. King Abdullah of Jordan, Princess Hasna of Morocco, the Prime Ministers of the Czech Republic, Ivory Coast, Lebanon, and the UAE, Presidents of Gabon, Kenya, Congo, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, and the Ukraine. Celebrities involved include Ringo, Claudia Schiffer, Shakira, Elton John, and Nobel Prize winners. Yeah. And we've now have a better insight into how some of these individuals use these firms to try to hide assets, evade taxes, or sometimes try to just preserve their privacy. What was the original question? <laughs> Did I answer it? <laughs> I think you answered it because what is the main purpose of this or what is this mainly exposing? And I think you answered that. The reality is, is it exposing anything outright illegal? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't think so. Right. Not as far as we know yet. 
My guess is that there is a lot of things that have been exposed in this that are probably illegal, at least in terms of like tax evasion, where these individuals are not following their specific like country's tax codes. Or there were some specific examples cited of where they were trying to set up foundations and trust to avoid their country's estate laws. They've also mentioned how some of these firms were implicated in like funneling um, money out of some corrupt regimes and things like that, which may end up being illegal. But you're right. A lot of what these individuals and these firms are doing is absolutely within the letter of the law. Though, then you hear about some of the firms uh, like Alcagol in Panama, who was basically saying that they're legally obligated to know the beneficial owner of every single company they've created. And like the partners of the firm themselves basically say, oh no, yeah, there's no way we have that all that information for all these firms. And so I think there's that is nominally unlawful, right? They're required to have a piece of information they don't have. But you are speaking to something more broad, I think, which is that much of this privilege that comes with having this wealth and power is legally protected. You're allowed to use these loopholes to find these places in the law where you can hide your assets. And as usual, a lot of our favorite jurisdictions seem to pop up. Uh, we've got the Seychelles, we've got the British Virgin Islands, we've got Panama, Hong Kong, Belize. South Dakota plays a big role and Nevada as well. The, these are the usual suspects when it comes to offshore incorporation and also money laundering and other nefarious criminal activity. Um, and like you were suggesting, tax evasion and basically rich people who shouldn't have possibly maybe billions of dollars who do actually have that. Um, well, and it, it was interesting to me to see um, Alcagol featured so prominently in this because um, after Mossack Fonseca in the original Panama Papers, Panama passed a couple of new laws and started showing a little bit more of a uh, proactive approach to trying to manage their reputation as like this money laundering center. And then we even saw like various anti-money laundering groups and stuff start to raise their rankings and stuff. And then you see these documents come out on Alcagol and you go, oh, they're going to go right back down those rankings. <laughs> well, the reality is, and this, I listened to some ICIJ journalists um, discussing stuff like this, and they were talking about the Panama Papers and how a lot of the offshore incorporation had left Panama, but they said that was not a result of any crazy laws that disallow it. They said that was just a result of the Panama Papers happening and people fleeing the country in, in terms of desiring privacy. It had really nothing to do with new, harsher laws being implemented, and they absolutely felt like uh, there was plenty still going on there. But yeah, as you mentioned, it's a lot of the jurisdictions we've seen before doing a lot of the stuff we've seen before. One of the most common things that these trusts and corporations seem to be set up for is so that these individuals can purchase real estate, own real estate in a whole bunch of places, and then hide their ownership. For those familiar with money laundering and stuff like that, real estate is often one of the tools that will be used for it. Yes. And I, I want to now bring up the point that we've heard from uh, at least a few people on Twitter that clearly none of this affects crypto. There's no mentions of people involved in cryptocurrency and that uh, Bitcoin, altcoins and other stuff 
don't come up uh, or haven't come up thus far. Uh, can we speak to that? <laughs> Crypto is less important to the world than presidents, prime ministers, and all these other heads of state doing a lot of these things. If you honestly believe that this is the single group of offshore documents that is going to reveal nothing about crypto, I think you are naive. I think more likely the ICIJ and their 600 partner journalists are focusing on the stories that are likely to have the largest impact right away, which is the presidents, it's the prime ministers, and I expect that we will likely see individuals involved in cryptocurrency start to pop up in this reporting. And it's a really naive take because even the Panama Papers and Paradise Papers show a lot of connections for people that we're familiar with. There's a famously Eric Voorhees is is located in them. But on top of people like Voorhees, we have Juan Carlo, our, our favorite CFO. We have uh, Phil Potter, our favorite former CSO. Um, and and there's plenty of other people who are involved in crypto that are definitely in those papers. So, yeah, the idea that they wouldn't be in these is uh, resoundingly stupid. <laughs> but, yeah, we, I just wanted to quickly address that. Otherwise, I think what's more important is to discuss how uh, this is something that is going to be affecting the financial world for months and years to come. This is not something where, oh, it's released seems like a couple things were announced and we can move on with our lives. Yeah. Generally, the way ICIJ does these releases is with like their initial batch of reporting on the most high profile cases within it. They drip out additional reporting over the next period of time. And hopefully with this, like they did with the Paradise Panama and offshore papers, they'll eventually open source what they can from the data, which will then make it an even more valuable tool for independent researchers and journalists who are hoping to investigate these powerful and wealthy people. Yeah. And I do want to say that even when you go into the Pandora papers and look at specific people that they mention right now, you can actually see they have little maps already beginning that show you the people's names and all of the associated corporations in, say, the British Virgin Islands or the Seychelles or whatever. So the fact that they're even doing that and they're starting to map it in such a way leads me to believe that they are going to do a similar release. I have no inside information, neither do you. So uh, I think our fingers are just crossed that they open this up to everyone because 11.9 million documents is a lot of information even for 600 journalists. So... One thing that's been really frustrating to me about some of the reaction we've seen to these papers on Twitter is a bunch of people kind of going, eh, so what? Like who looked at the reporting and who even acknowledged the reporting was good and solid, but just didn't seem to find any of what to me were these meaningful and important revelations impactful to themselves. It's just frustrating to me because I see the work of the investigative journalists like this as providing the information that can potentially reshape power structures in many countries. I mean, one of the people mentioned in these reports is Imran Khan of Pakistan, right? And he initially rose to power after the Panama Papers came out by running on an anti-corruption uh, platform, right? And so because the Panama Papers came out, the politics of Pakistan were 
modified. And now that it's been exposed that a whole bunch of his aides and people close to him were exposed in the Pandora Papers and were doing all this offshore dealing to hide their own wealth, it's possible again that we will see those political dynamics in this country change. And that is like meaningful changes in the power structure driven by investigative journalism. And like that's just such a valuable thing to see. I 100% agree with you. And I think the the work that the ICIJ, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, has been doing for years now is incredibly important to the financial world and just the world in general. I urge our listeners, if you can, one, to go on to the ICIJ website, which you can just go ICIJ.org. We'll put a link in the description as well. But um, go there, read some of the stuff coming out from the Pandora Papers, read some of the stuff previously from the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers. They have the Luanda leaks. They have the FinCEN files. There's a lot of hard investigative journalism that they have done. Um, and I urge you to go there. I personally donated to them, full disclosure. Uh, I don't know what it was, maybe a hundred bucks or something, but I've personally donated to them. I urge if you appreciate the reporting that they're doing you to do the same, but getting back on track here, one of the other takeaways that I had from this, uh, was specifically about how the U S is playing this new role in offshore incorporation. And though some of these places are, are who you would expect. So we've actually been hearing some stuff about South Dakota for the past year, I would say. And Delaware is on the list as well, along with Nevada, which is further down the list than I think um, I suspected. But some new names up there, Florida and Texas, uh, both some of the main places where trusts, uh, which are the vehicle for financial secrecy in America, um, are being done, but far outpacing them is South Dakota. So what's going on? How are trusts being used similarly to offshore incorporation? I mean, they're they're being used in the same way because you can load them up with a whole bunch of assets and avoid a lot of the reporting requirements and scrutiny that would come from either holding those assets yourself or holding them in a general purpose U.S. domiciled corporation. Often exceptions are made in the specific laws of these states for special purpose trusts that probably at some point made sense for some narrow set of use cases. However, because of the way the laws are written, the trust can be used more broadly. And if you give lawyers like the lawyers at Baker McKenzie, a complicated code with some poorly written verbiage, they'll find opportunities where it's possible for them to shield their clients' assets. And so that's what they're very actively doing. I think these years now of leaks on grander and grander scales are proving a couple things. One, as usual, rich people are hiding their assets. But two, I, I think this is proof that the public actually gives a damn about this and wants to know the assets that the the, the rich have and, and wants more transparency from the rich. I'm sure the response to that would be something along the lines of rich people deserve privacy too, which is fine. I don't, I'm not suggesting they shouldn't have privacy, but you and I can't go to offshore incorporations, or we we could, but it wouldn't be beneficial to us to go to offshore incorporations and start putting our assets there because we aren't hyper wealthy. It really isn't beneficial for anyone in the even I would suggest like upper middle class. Like this is something for rich, rich, rich people. And trusts 
a, a little less. I think trusts are used a lot in America. I just wonder if this, I think the usual response to this is, so what? These things are going to continue. And I, I actually wonder, I wonder if now we're moving towards some sort of solutions for these things where they try to nix this level of opa opacity, or if indeed that's correct, and instead of seeing the end of it, we are just actually going to continue to see larger and larger leaks on this scale. I expect there to be continue to be places, both offshore and onshore, where rich people are able to hide certain assets and stuff. However, each time these papers leak, each time there's this new information about this stuff, we, the public, the populace, gain an opportunity to try to use whatever mechanisms are available to us to hold some of these individuals to account. So we discussed the example in Pakistan of how this could change their politics. And that applies to many of these countries where you see these individuals trying to hide their wealth. The populace can react to that and it will fundamentally change the power structures in those countries. And I think that reinforcing that norm of the people holding the rich and powerful to account for doing these immoral, if legal, actions helps create a kind of expectation or norm around not doing these things. If it is kind of how it is now, where beyond a certain net worth, a lot of individuals are doing this kind of thing, it can be easy for someone to justify it as just the cost of doing business. When you start resetting the conversation around it and the norm around it, it can become harder for people to justify it because it carries a greater risk of like reputational harm or harm to their continued operation of their business empire. It, it would almost be funny if it wasn't so sad to me to see people who who I, I, I can tell are part of a lot of uh, get-rich quick schemes and high yield investment products saying that this journalism is worthless, that leaks like this don't matter. And really, and, and, and this is the sense I get in their pushback, is that one day they hope that they're going to be so wealthy that they too can utilize the resources available to the hyper rich. And, and here's what I want to tell people, you know, you're all special snowflakes. We all are. Look, most of us aren't going to be hyper wealthy. It doesn't happen. You know, you might do really well for yourself and you might even be middle upper class or, uh, you know, lower upper class. But you're not going to be most of you. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of you are not going to be the next Jeff Bezos. And you're not going to be the next Elon Musk. It doesn't it doesn't even matter if your ideas are good. You just aren't that sociopathic. You don't care that much about money, probably. Hopefully. But if you're banking on the idea that one day you're going to be so wealthy that you need these resources, I can assure you, not only is that ridiculous, but it's a really shitty goal to have. You want to be so rich that you have to hide your money from people to the extent that you know people are going to be targeting you essentially because you have way too much money, so much vast amounts of wealth that you have to hide it from your country. You have to hide it from uh, other people in your country. You just need to make sure they don't know how many actual billions of dollars you have. Like, what a lame dream. You suck. So ch change your dream. 
So I, I, but I think this, this is, this type of journalism is really, I'm very grateful for this because this puts us in a position where we can, there's going to be a lot of reflection from us, from rich people, from politicians who are getting caught up in it. And there will be a lot of them. And we will see large ramifications from this. We saw it from the Panama Papers. One of the other things that frustrates me that's kind of in a similar vein to what you're talking about, where most people are never going to be this wealthy, is that I get extraordinarily frustrated with the anti-journalist and anti-journalism sentiment you'll sometimes see on Twitter or here in other places. Because often the best way to hold these powerful individuals to account is this kind of hard, difficult, expensive investigative journalism. And so when you're acting to undercut that, you're undercutting one of the institutions or mechanisms that can actually hold that kind of power to account. And so you'd hear all these people who were never going to be rich, who were never going to be powerful, following, for example, Trump and shouting fake news, failing to recognize that they are like weakening the only institution or one of the institutions that can actually hold these powerful individuals to account. And that there's a reason many powerful people want weaker media, want fewer journalists and want less of this type of investigation because it benefits their own power structure. Which actually goes back to the question from before, which was about seeing an end to this stuff the part of the reason we're not going to see an end to these types of ways to hide money is because it's in all of these hyper wealthy and hyper powerful people's best interest to make sure these avenues still exist. Right. So this isn't going away. But I do think when you have data leaks that rock an industry like this one, like how Mossack Fonseca went out of business after that leak. There are a lot of offshore and corporation companies that are probably going to be out of business after this, and that's going to give people a lot less options for a while when it comes to doing offshore incorporation. And it means you have to move your money now because these places, a bunch of these places are probably going to go out of business. So you, if they are going to go under, they're going to let you know and say, like, time to move your assets and get incorporated some other way or whatever. We can't we can't be the directors for your company anymore. And you, we saw that with the Panama Papers, too, where if you look up someone like Christopher Harborn now, uh, if you're interested, Christopher Harborn helped lead Brexit to Brexit. So his money sponsored Brexit. And he is a Tether shareholder, Tether Bitfinex shareholder. Christopher Harborn or Shakrite Sakunkrit, however, whatever you want to call him. He has two, two aliases. All of his companies that you could find in the Panama Papers are long gone, right? The, the year that all of this was exposed by the Panama Papers, he shut that down and upped and moved to Singapore and renamed companies, right? So in Hong Kong, this is what is going to happen this time. The, the people in the, in the British Virgin Islands will close those accounts and rename their company and move it to Hong Kong. And the companies in Hong Kong will close their accounts down and move them to Belize. And Belize companies will move their stuff to, you know, Panama, whatever. Um, so th it goes round and round and round and round. Yeah, it really does. And I'm one thing I want to touch on before we move on from that, and before we close this up, is that many of these loopholes, many of these things exist because of these law firms. So like the former head of Baker McKenzie, one of the law firms discussed in the Pandora Papers is Christine Lagarde, who now heads the European Central Bank. You look at uh, Alcagol, a whole bunch of their partners have had high ranking positions in the Panamanian government and have helped set the rules and regulations around these structures. The leaders of these law firms are specifically lobbying and creating 
tax carve-outs so that their clients can continue to hide their money. And so I think it's important for us to recognize how actively that type of work is funded. And that's why this type of stuff is even more important because the people trying to hide their money are well-funded and well-connected. If you want a chance of stopping them, you need to know what they're doing. Yeah, know thy enemy and know thyself. I think that's pretty much gonna do it for us. It's just a basic summary. That's what we have so far. And hopefully if more bombs drop, we'll have an opportunity to revisit them. Thanks for listening and we will catch you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>